what is going on everybody welcome back to dog talk with holden i hope we hear this sound right here quite a few times come saturday i know i'm looking forward to it i know you're looking forward to it we got a lot to get to it is the week we have been waiting for since essentially clinching the sec east back a few weeks back we knew this game is coming playing for the sec championship game in december on december 4th atlanta georgia against the alabama football team crimson tide elephants whatever you want to call them i don't know i don't know why you have multiple mascots georgia is simple we're the bulldogs easy enough why can't you just have one and stick to it but i digress that is what it is this is also something we've been looking forward to getting back to for a while after last year a couple of setbacks kind of did what it did and, and uh, is exactly what i said it's just a setback georgia's back in the place we want to be we're 12 and 0 that is the first time i believe Georgia has been 12-0 and in history, uh, and I was actually incorrect on one of the stats that I was talking about last week when I said, or might have been earlier this week, saying that it's the first time since 1979 that that's happened. That was incorrect. It's actually the first time since 1979 that a team has been held, that, has, that a team, excuse me, has held their opponents to as few points as Georgia has. Georgia has only given up 83 points this season, 83 points, and if you double that, it's still first place. Second place is, I think, Clemson with 180, and then behind them is like Cincinnati with a few more than that. So kind of a crazy thing. <clears throat> and that's not all on the defense. Some of that's back on the offense with pick sixes that have happened this season. But that is what it is. This is, again, the first time Georgia's gone 12-0 in history. Uh, this is also the first time, and I believe – I may be incorrect about this. I tried to look it up and couldn't find exactly, but I believe this is the first time. This may have happened last year, so I could be wrong about it, and it could be Alabama who did this the first time last year. But Georgia has been ranked number one in the college football playoff since the initial ranking came out this season. So was that five weeks ago? We're, we're in five weeks straight now, and sixth one, the final one will come out on Sunday after these conference championship games. So Georgia has accomplished that, staying at the top, being the team to beat really all season long, not just while this part of the playoff uh, poll has been about, but that is what it is. So here's what we're going to get to. It's very simple tonight. Uh, talk a little bit about the rankings that did come out on Tuesday. I'll go through that really quickly. Talk a little bit about some of the coaching changes that are going around. You know, we did talk some about that earlier this week, but we can kind of finalize a couple of those as well. Some big-name transfers that are going around. Georgia has been picking up a couple of guys on the recruiting trail, so that's always a good thing. Then we're going to get to it. We're going to break down this SEC championship game that we have coming up on Saturday. Very excited about it at 4 o'clock. We'll get to the predictions after that um, and then pretty much wrap it up. Short, sweet, and simple. But first and foremost, on Twitter at DogTalk20, make sure you guys follow us there. If you want to rate and review the show, we would appreciate it. Give us that five-star, leave a review. If you leave a review, I will read it on the show following this SEC championship game that we have coming up, uh, obviously, this Saturday. So when Sunday's episode, or technically it's Monday's episode, when I record Sunday, I will make sure to shout you guys out there. Uh, and then check out the YouTube channel as well. Um, I leave all the links for this in the description of the show generally. And then also the website, dawgdogtalkpod.com, spelled the way it's supposed to be, dawgtalkpod.com. Make sure you guys check out the website there. I would appreciate that. 
as well. Now let's get to it. The number one dogs taking on number three Alabama. Number three Alabama in the SEC championship game. And I run through the college football playoff ranking that did come out, did come out, excuse me, back on Tuesday, which was really just yesterday. So it's not like it was that long ago. But anyways, gonna run through it. Georgia at the top. We just talked about it. Michigan jumps Alabama. All the way up to that number two spot after taking down Ohio State last week. Alabama is in the three spot, Cincinnati in the four spot. Exactly where I figured it would be when we talked about this on Monday's episode. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. Even though the AP poll has Cincinnati in third, Alabama in fourth, I had a feeling that wasn't going to stick with the college football playoff ranking, and sure enough, it doesn't. Even though Cincinnati is unranked, or excuse me, undefeated, the only other undefeated team other than Georgia, they stick them down in that four spot. Uh, and I think there's a reason for that. This is something that is going to matter. In five and six, you have Oklahoma State, and in six, you have Notre Dame. If Georgia takes care of business, Michigan takes care of business, Cincinnati takes care of business, those three teams are obviously in. As, a, as long as Oklahoma State takes care of their business as well in the five spot, Oklahoma State will be in, and it will be very simple from that point on. Notre Dame does not have a game. Ohio State is not playing in the game. Ole Miss is not playing in the game. So all those teams below it, they don't have another game to be able to bump up. It would take chaos within the top four for anything very interesting to happen. This is what Oklahoma State, as well as Cincinnati, is kind of praying for that Georgia does handle business because the biggest shakeup that can happen is if Alabama beats Georgia, I'm not saying the biggest, but this is this is a shakeup that could happen. If Alabama were to beat Georgia, Alabama and Georgia would be in. I don't think at this point Georgia gets knocked out of the playoff rank or the playoff conversation at all unless – I just don't think there's a possibility. Even looking back at the percentages that ESPN put up this, Georgia has a 99% chance to make the playoff. That means if you lose to Alabama, you're still going to be in. And in my opinion, what would happen is we would basically just swap rankings because they're not going to want to replay that game immediately after that. You don't want to do that. So, But we're not, well, hey, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about what we think is going to happen. And that's that Georgia remains at the top. If Michigan somehow falls to Iowa, Cincinnati somehow falls to Houston, and then Oklahoma State somehow falls to who, who's Oklahoma State playing? I don't even know who Oklahoma State's playing. But if these three teams are to fall to their respective conference champion at that point, that's when you're going to have a lot of shakeup in this top four. That's when a lot of questions have to be answered by the committee on Sunday the day after that. Then you have to determine, okay, are some of these teams with two losses, are they worth putting in there? Or at that point, do we move up guys who are not playing for conference championship? Do you move up a Notre Dame who's not going to be playing? And, by the way, also without a head coach now, we talked about that Monday. We're going to talk about some more of that in just a second. Ohio State, who didn't play in the conference championship, who lost to Michigan, who has two losses, who both teams would have two losses at this point. Do you bump them up? Do you somehow bump Ole Miss up that's all the way down on the eighth spot? A lot of stuff has to be answered. I don't think even with Oregon being there in the Pac-12, I don't think it's enough for them to be bumped up that high. But that is what it is. That's when things can get really, really complicated and confusing. But the simplest route, Georgia takes care of business. Michigan takes care of business. Cincinnati takes care of business. Oklahoma State takes care of business. That happens. There's your top four. More than likely, you're going to have Georgia versus Cincinnati uh, and then Michigan versus Oklahoma State. Really, I would love to see Georgia versus Oklahoma State, Michigan versus Cincinnati, and then probably Georgia and Michigan after that. 
can't guarantee that, but there is the chance that that happens. Cincinnati does have a good offense. Michigan has a really good defense, so that 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 actually be a pretty fun matchup, I believe, right there. But let me go through some of the rest of the top 25 here that did come out yesterday. That was, like I said, Oklahoma State at 5, Notre Dame at 6, Ohio State 7, Ole Miss 8, Baylor at 9, at 10 is Oregon, 11 is Michigan State, 12 is BYU, 13 Iowa, 14 Oklahoma, 15 is Pitt, 16 is Wake Forest, 17 Utah, 18 NC State, 19 San Diego State, 20 Clemson, 21 Houston, 22 Arkansas, 23 Kentucky, 24 Louisiana, and 25 is Texas A&M. By the way, I did also see this the other day. The SEC has got 13 of the 14 teams that will be bowling this year, with exception to poor old Dandy Vandy. Poor old Vandy. But that's exciting. That's exciting. We're, we're down to the final weeks of college football. Again, it is sad. It's, it's bittersweet. You get to the end of the season. Regular season is now out the window. It's conference championship, and Georgia is looking to play not one but two playoff games following this SEC championship game that we have coming up. We're very excited about it. We're looking forward to it. Let's talk a little bit about some of these coaching changes real quick before we dive too deep into getting into the game that that is at hand, the, the main reason we're all here. And let's start it off right here. What we just talked about, Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, head coach, leaves Notre Dame. He's headed to LSU. That matters because Georgia does have the opportunity to face LSU in the future. Obviously, being in the SEC, that is something that can come up and probably will come up. But that is something that the committee talked about that could play a factor in, in whether or not Notre Dame was to be able to move up if chaos does ensue in the top five teams in the country. If that happens, then they've got a big question on their hands of what to do with the team who no longer has a head coach, which obviously an interim would come in, but the main head coach that got them in this position is no longer there. Now, to me, that's a little bit of a punishment on the players who are the ones who actually did the work to make this happen all because their coach left. It's not their fault their coach left, so that's a little bit of strife that I would have with that if they were to hold it back. But, again, I'm just hoping that the top five can just handle their business the way they're supposed to, minus that number three team, and then there's no, no questions asked. It's just simple and easy from that point on. Then we move over. Obviously, Ed O leaves LSU, and that's that's where that goes. Then you have the big controversy of Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma, taking off over to USC, piecing out on his guys. And, again, I don't know if I talked about this Monday, but if I didn't, hey, I'm telling you now, I'm fairly certain Lincoln Riley is just afraid of the SEC. You've heard it from all the other people, all the talking heads that have been talking about it. As soon as it happened, I was texting with friends saying, y'all, I think he's just terrified to play or coach in the SEC. I really do, especially after this year has just been – Quite frankly, a dumpster fire. Teams, they, they should have been losing a lot of the games that they did or didn't, excuse me. And then they lost, obviously they've lost a few games now. So should have lost a lot more. But it's kind of been on a downhill train, I guess you'd say. And Oklahoma is expected to become part of the SEC here in, I guess, 2025. People still believe that that's coming much sooner. Soon as next year. I'm, I'm still not quite sold that it's going to happen next year. I still think 2023 looks like a good timing for that. But we'll see. You got that that happens. Uh, Billy Napier takes over at Florida. Again, that, that news was kind of shadowed by the Lincoln-Riley work. Um, and then there's still some conversation about who's going to go to uh, Oklahoma. So... And then now the conversation is who's going to Notre Dame. 
I've heard a few different things here and there about where and who could go there. There is talks of Josh Heupel possibly going to Oklahoma. I don't think that's going to happen. Mark Stoops was also a conversation leaving Kentucky. In my opinion, why would you leave Kentucky with all that you've been able to do over, what, the last nine, ten years, however long he's been there? One of the, I think it's the second longest tenure in SEC football right now as a head coach. He's built something special there at Kentucky, and Kentucky, yet again, is going to have a 10-win season right here at the end of this year. So, I don't know why you'd leave that to go to Oklahoma. I mean, I granted you will be back in the SEC right after that, but tell me how crazy would this would be. How crazy would it be if all of a sudden Oklahoma decides, hey, why don't we just take Ed O, you know? Why don't we just bring him from LSU, and then he's in Oklahoma, and next thing you know, he's back in the SEC just a couple years later. I doubt that happens. I doubt it. If, if I'm Ed O, I'm going and hanging out in Destin, and I'm just chilling there for a while. <laughs> but that's just me. That's, that's just me. I'm not going to get too much deeper into that. As far as coaches go, but transfers, a couple of big names that did come out. Spencer Rattler, speaking of Oklahoma, he's transferring out. You know, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard he might go to Georgia. Listen, he don't need to come to Georgia. Even if he wants to come to Georgia, he don't need to because we don't need him. We got good quarterbacks, and we got good quarterbacks coming in too. And quite frankly, just some of his attitude, I, I, I don't know. I'm just not sold on the guy, not sold on the guy. Now, if he was to come – Maybe he wins us over. I don't know. But right now, it ain't happening. Right now, it ain't happening. A couple other big names that were coming out that I'm completely blanking on right now. So, uh, might update that after this. Right now, my mind is solely focused on the SEC Championship. Let's talk about somewhat of the injury conversation that needs to be talked about before this. One of the biggest ones right now is Jamar Salyer. Is he going to be able to play in this game on Saturday? And this matters a lot because... You got Will Anderson that's playing for Alabama. He is their best defensive guy. And if he is playing for Alabama, having Jamar Salyer in there is going to make a big difference in this game, having that, that core lineman. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, SVP has been doing a great job being in there. He, he has done a ecstatic job. Glad to have him in there doing the things that he's been able to do to step into that position. But you want some of that seniority and some of that leadership to be on the line. And having him in there, I think, will help a lot. He's been battling injury. Thought he'd be back last week. Wasn't really back ready for that. And I think we're still day-to-day -day this week. So that that is something to look at. Good thing is, Dominique Blaylock, he came back a couple of weeks ago. He's slowly but surely getting back in the groove of things. George Pickens, obviously, we saw his return last week. Let's see how much of a contribution he can make this week in the game that we've been talking about hoping to have him back for. I'm hoping that he was able to get a lot of good work in. Obviously, that Georgia Tech game helped a lot getting the feet wet. I'm hoping he's continuing to get good reps this week so that way when we play in the biggest game so far this season, the game that matters the most this week, the game that matters the most to be able to move forward to what we're looking forward to moving forward to. That was a lot of forwards in that, wasn't it? But anyways, you know what I'm saying. Um then we get to Kiaris Jackson, I think, was another. He's he's dealing with some stuff, but believes that, as far as what Kirby was saying, believes that everything's going to be okay with him. So I'm glad to see that. That's kind of where we stand. Right now, I'm still not quite sure about Kendall Milton. I know the last we talked about him, we talked about this on, on Monday's episode as well, was that just having to get confidence back in that MCL. The good thing about that is we've got a stable of running backs that they can all carry the rock. They can carry the rock uh, and are helpful. Kenny Mack had a great game last week against Georgia Tech. I don't think any, it doesn't matter what running back you put in there. There's no there's no dip in 
how how we're able to run the ball. I mean, we're effective with whatever running back we put in there, which is really good, really good. We've got wideouts. Again, we've got guys who are coming back who are getting healthy, having George Pickens back. Even putting him in there as a decoy could probably help a lot. Um, good thing is there's not any film on him this year because he hadn't played until last week. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some knowing that he's probably not going to get the ball that much because he's still battling injury, but that's where you can't sleep on it. You can't sleep on the fact that that's happened defensively. Hey, Nolan Smith, he's going to be all right. These guys on defense, they're going to be ready to play. They're going to be ready to rock and roll in this. They're Like we talked about on Monday, there are multiple guys who played in the national championship from that 2017 season that are still on this football team. They remember that. Then those same guys and more remember the 2018 SEC championship game and what happened there. Obviously, 2019 was the LSU. Last year, didn't get in it either after uh, Florida got to get in there. Dang Gators. But anyway, so these guys are going to be ready. Alabama's coming ready. Georgia's coming ready. I'm excited about it. That goes through pretty much all I want to talk about as far as injuries go. Now let's get into actually diving into uh, the game at hand. All right, here we go. I kept. I think I kept saying this game's at, at 3.30, but it's actually technically at 4 o'clock on CBS. You know, normally it's that 3.30 kick that you kind of look at and you're like, all right, well, well. 3.30, here we go, but it's, it's actually 4 o'clock. I guess all the festivities and stuff start at 3, 3.30, something like that. But here we go. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the comparisons because this is the number one thing we talk about when it comes into a game. And this is somewhat helpful, somewhat of a guide on what things look like. In this game, <laughs> some, of these, some of these numbers are going to matter. Some of them aren't. Let's talk offensively first and foremost. Bryce Young, obviously the quarterback, 99 yards shy of throwing for 4,000 yards so far this season. 40 touchdowns on the year, four interceptions all year long. Stetson Bennett's our starter, right, what, 15 yards shy of 2,000 yards. So his number is basically in half. 21 touchdowns, basically half of Bryce Young. Five interceptions, one more interception, and a lot, lot, less, lot less throws. Stetson Bennett is 119 of 183, by the way. He has not thrown the ball 200 times in this game. Bryce Young has thrown the ball over 400 times. So everything, all of Stetson Bennett's numbers are half of what Bryce Young's are. But this is this is another thing I want to remind you guys of. It's, it's a complete flip. It's a complete flip-flop of what it usually is. Usually every year Alabama is playing these games, and their starters are getting a lot of rest. A lot of rest. They are beating the snot out of teams, and being able to just sit back and let their second and third string take over for the rest of the game. And you don't get quite as many stats with most of you guys when that happens. This year is not that. This year, the starters for Alabama in games, especially the ones we talked about in comparison to Georgia's, they're having to stay in the entire game because the teams they're playing, they're not blowing out. It's a much tighter, much closer game. The Arkansas game, Georgia blowing it out 37 to nothing. Second, second half, you don't have to put any starters in there. Now, we still had starters in the game, but didn't have to. Alabama and Arkansas, that was a seven-point game in the end. You had starters in the entire time. Obviously, you get second-string guys. Some guys get reps in there, obviously. And if you're Georgia, you know you get second even deeper into third-string guys who will rotate in because they are just that good and there is that much depth, especially on the defensive side for Georgia. But 
that's where I want to make some of that comparison when it comes to, yeah, Bryce Young has a lot more numbers, but Bryce Young's also had to play a lot more. Stetson Bennett has not. Stetson Bennett also was not the starting quarterback at the start of this season. Now, I believe now, and we talked about this on Monday, I think Stetson's going to be the one to end it. I really do. If some, if for some reason he gets into any kind of trouble in this game, or for whatever reason Georgia's just not able to move the ball, the good thing is we get to rely on having JT Daniels as your backup. Georgia has the backup quarterback this year. I tweeted this earlier. Alabama does not have a backup quarterback to go to that is experienced like they've had in years past. 2017, it took a backup quarterback to come in. Even though he was a freshman, it took that to come in and beat Georgia in the, in the national championship game. 2018, it took having to go back to Jalen Hurts after Tua was hurt and was not able to produce what Alabama needed to win that. And Alabama beats Georgia again. They don't have that this year. Now, most people are going to say, and, and especially Alabama fans, they don't need that. Bryce Young is good enough to do it by itself. Yeah, well, so was Jalen. So was Tua. But it took a backup for them to be able to come in this. Let's not also forget that in both of those games, Georgia had the lead at the half and was not able to shut it down in the second half. Even last year, they didn't need a backup quarterback last year to make it happen, but even last year, Georgia had the lead at the half. With Stetson Bennett as quarterback, by the way, just want to make sure you guys remember that. It wasn't JT Daniels who was the quarterback against Alabama last year. It was Stetson Bennett. First half, Georgia had the lead. Stetson gets hurt in the second half. Things went downhill from there. Could not move the ball. And that is one thing that every time for the past three meetings that I can recall since the national championship game, national championship game, SEC championship game, as well as the regular season game last year, Georgia does really good in the first half. We know Alabama's a good second-half team. But then when it comes to the third quarter, we may move the ball a little bit. The fourth quarter, Georgia does not move the football against Alabama. That has to change. That has to change, and that is going to change Saturday night. <clears throat> I believe it. You should believe it because this is a different team. This is not the same team. Alabama wants to, and I've seen plenty of tweets and different conversation about this. Alabama, what are they going to do when it comes down to, as far as fans go, what are they going to do when it comes down to talking about this game? They're going to look at the past and say, okay, well, look, 2017 National Championship, haha, <laughs> we put in a backup. Okay. Yeah, there's five guys, I think, on this team that actually played you guys in that game. Why are we talking about 2017? Oh, okay, well, guess what? We did it again in 2020. Okay. Yeah, you did it the next year either. All right. Remind me what year we're in, 2021. Even saw the one on Twitter yesterday. Oh, yeah, 20, 2019 or what was it, last year, I guess, maybe, regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole new year. This is a whole new football team. Back on what I was talking about earlier, it's flip-flop. Alabama's having – all the opportunity in the world to be able to rest those guys throughout the season. That's not the case this year. They're playing all season, whereas Georgia in the past has had to play their guys just about all season long, and this year they're not having to. Starters are able to relax. Let's go back just as simple as last week. Georgia puts a thumping on Georgia Tech, 45 to nothing. The starters are out by halftime. They're out. Second and even third strings in by the fourth quarter. Alabama, every one of their starters, minus one guy, who we're going to talk about because I think he's going to be the difference maker for Alabama and usually is. We're going to get to that. But Alabama starters, they're playing the entire game and some after going to four overtimes with Auburn last week. So don't tell me they're not beat up. Don't tell me they're not. Because when it comes to SEC on SEC, and that, that is where Georgia got lucky, I guess, having Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech is inferior in comparison to Georgia right now. 
and it could stay that way for a long time. But Alabama took a thumping against Auburn. And, yeah, they win the game, so that's not what I mean by it in the end as far as talking about thumping. But it's a butt whooping. When you play in a big SEC game like that, especially against a rival, in-state rival like that, you're not out there just playing patty cake. No, you're, you're smacking each other in the mouth. That's all there is to it. This isn't a game that you're just sitting there, oh, yeah, we can kind of take it easy. No, you're doing all you can to beat these guys in every way possible. So you best believe these guys are going to come in. Again, I've said this. They're going to come ready to play. But Georgia is much, much, much better as far as not having had to play so much last week. One, that helps you to recover much quicker. Two, that gets guys rested, gets guys healthy, gets guys back on the field that hadn't been able to be on the field. You're just able to recover so much better having that rest, even though you're on the sideline watching and everything. It's not emotional. Kirby talked about that. We talked about it on Monday as well. It's not an emotional win. It was just an easy go go get the win. You got it by halftime. You know this game's in the bag. You don't have to worry about anything. Take a deep breath. You get to start looking forward. Alabama, first of all, you played the entire game. It took until the last minute of the game to be able to score a touchdown in this one against Auburn, whose defense, not all that great. They're not bad, but they're not all that great. Not all that great. Their offense, even worse, especially considering they're going on a backup quarterback who's not all that great. And then the fourth quarter limps his way through that entire quarter, yet still almost beats you. In the end, you end up winning it. It's an emotional win. So you've got all that on your plate, all that on your plate. Now, I tweeted this earlier too. This does not mean that Alabama is going to come into this flat. If they do, Georgia will beat the snot out of Alabama. If Alabama comes in here flat, beat up, and wants to make excuses, that's going to happen. But that's not the way I anticipate this one coming up because this game is just different. It's just different. That's all there is to it. The last three meetings of this game have come down to the wire. Now, last year, maybe not so much, but the first half, Georgia, the only team last year, and I keep going back to the past myself, talking about this at least, the only team last year to have a lead on Alabama at the half. The only team throughout the regular season. Now, third quarter, we started to let it slip, and by the fourth quarter, they were gone. That's all there was to it. I don't anticipate that happening this year. Again, I just think it's going to be a really good game. I'm very excited about it, especially about what's to come. Going back to some of the season leaders looking here, Zeus, even though he hadn't had quite as many carries, quite as many yards the last couple of games, he still leads Georgia in the rushing category, 691 yards, 128 carries, 10 touchdowns. Brian Robinson, I'm still not sure if he's even playing in this game, in the SEC Championship game. We know what happened last time a major running back struggled against Georgia or was not able to play in an SEC Championship game. Go back to that 2017 season against Auburn. Auburn's running back. Bo Johnson, well, let's see. See if I can remember his name. Nope, can't really remember. Johnson. I don't know why that name keeps coming to mind. But anyways, he's not able to play in this game where he lit it up against us in the regular season, wasn't able to play against us. <clears throat> That helped Georgia in a big way, not having to worry quite as much about that running game. Now, that doesn't mean you just get to sleep on Alabama's running game because whether Brian Robinson's in there or not, you're still going to have another running back who's going to be running downhill at you. So that's something to look at. Receiving yards, and this is the guy that I want to talk about as far as Alabama goes. Brock Bowers leading the charge, 652 yards, 10 touchdowns. What a dude. I think our tight ends are going to make a big difference in this game. He is going to be one of them. 
Darnell Washington, I think, is going to have a big game. I've been waiting on his breakout game of the season. He's huge. Let's utilize him in more ways than just blocking. And I think Kirby knows that. I think Todd Munkin knows that. I think these guys are going to put a scheme together that's going to work really well. When you have Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington on the field, somebody's got to double one of them. Because Brock Bowers, obviously, being the best tight end in the country, regardless of what the rest of the country thinks or says, the best in the country, you got to take a double look at him. Then Darno Washington, he's just huge. You got to put a couple guys on him. I finally remember what the saying was as far as defense goes when, when I think it was Scott Cochran we were talking about it Monday that, that said, uh, hey, two guys on me, that means somebody's free. That's the word I meant. Well, the same thing goes for offense. If you got two guys on Brock Bowers or two guys on, uh, on Darnell Washington, especially if you're playing man, well, you got a wide receiver out there somewhere who's going to be getting loose. Somewhere, especially if they're double teaming on getting the zone. Same thing. Same thing. I mean, you've got guys, but imagine it. Let's just imagine it. Brock Bowers is on the field. Darnell Washington's on the field. George Pickens on the field. Hey, put Jermaine Burton on the other side. What you doing? What you doing against that? Yeah, everybody keeps talking about, oh, yeah, you know, Alabama's got John Mechie. Yeah, they do. They got Jameis Williams. Yeah, they, yeah, they got him. That's right. Ohio State, they got three studs over there. Michigan, they got a couple. You don't hear anybody talking about Georgia. You know why? Because Georgia has distributed the ball to multiple guys. Multiple guys. Tight end, Brock Bowers, obviously. Darnell Washington getting a couple. Lab McConkey coming in here. Jermaine Burton getting his touches. A.D. Mitchell. George Pickens coming back in the loop. Dominique Blaylock coming back in the loop. Unfortunately, without Arian Smith. But, nonetheless, we still have plenty of weapons out there. And that's a good thing, you know? If, if everybody's going to be quiet about the fact, hey, Georgia, they don't have that many weapons. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, Georgia's got weapons. Just watch. Watch on Saturday. You're going to see these guys. You're going to see these weapons show up. That's exactly what's going to happen because everybody keeps sleeping on the weapons that are out there. Now, as long as this O-line can continue to do what they're doing, they're fine. We're going to be just fine. Just fine. And Stetson, the good thing, like we talked about, hey, that pressure in the pocket, he can roll. He can get out of there. Don't worry. Will Anderson's going to be an issue. I agree. I think he is. There's not a re- they don't talk. You don't talk about somebody being an issue if they aren't one. People don't sit here and go, oh, yeah, N'Kobe Dean, he's an issue. Yeah, you know why they say that? Because he is. He's a guy who's going to talk to you. Channing Tindall, same thing. All these guys on defense for Georgia, there's a reason they're being talked about, and that's because they're very good. This It's, it's not a joke, and – the same can be said about Will Anderson. I'll give him his cred there. Now, he, he ain't going to New York. Now, this ain't no J.D. to New York City kind of thing. No, no he, he ain't going. Not Will Anderson. People want to say, oh, yeah, well, let's get an Alabama guy in there. Okay, you got Bryce Young in there. You can have him. That's about the only conversation we're going to have as far as that goes, though. But Georgia has plenty of weapons on offense. Let's not even talk about the fact that you can put James Cook out there and he can catch the ball as a running back too. Zeus, he can do the same thing. Kenny Mack, hey, have yourself a night again last week. Let's do it again this week. Let's do it again this week. Get Kendall Milton back up and running too. Man, that'd be nice. DeJon Edwards, don't sleep on him. He can do it too. He can come in here and run the ball. Georgia has all the weapons we need. And guess what? If we don't have somebody on the field at that point, we got somebody behind them who can do it too. I don't have any worry in the world about Georgia's offense. And this is the way we line up. Points per game, we're putting up 40.7 points a game. I've talked about this all year, and this will be the last time I have to talk about it because you guys already know it, but everybody else needs to know it. 40.7 points a game. 
and it's overshadowed by the fact that Georgia only gives up 6.9 points a game. That's less than a touchdown a game. Georgia gives up less than a touchdown a game. Offensively, putting up 442 yards offensively. Two, pretty balanced, 240 through the air, 202 on the ground. That's awesome. Check this out. Yards allowed when we talk about the defense, though, only giving up 230. That's less than we get through the air alone. Giving it up 151 yards through the air, 78.9 on the ground. Only team that even comes close to that as far as on the ground, hey, it's Alabama at 80.7. They're good at stopping the run, not so good at stopping the pass. They're giving up 213 through the air. Our difference in numbers is about 60 as far as yards allowed. We give up 230, they give up 294. We get 442, they get 492. So they're a little better as far as moving the ball. They also points per game, 42.3, but they give up 19.9. That's almost three touchdowns. It's almost three touchdowns. So we're talking about basically two touchdown difference in this game. And it's going to be funny. Stick around. Listen to the prediction that's coming up, what I just said. Georgia gives up, call it seven points, a touchdown a game. Alabama gives up 19.9, call it 21. I mean, it's 20 basically, but call it 21. That's two touchdowns difference right there. Two touchdowns. Again, stick around. Listen to what the prediction is going to be at the end of this one, and I want you to remember that. Georgia, 40.7 to 42.3 for Alabama. Okay. But defensively, we're not giving it up. They get all their yards, too. Also, this is the other thing. They get all their yards through the air, 341.8. 150.3 is what they get on the ground. And the reason for this is, and this is the guy I wanted to talk about, Jameis Williams. He is the guy who I think Jameson Williams, I think maybe that's how you say his name. I may have it wrong, so excuse me. But he's the guy who I think is going to have the difference in this game for Alabama. Now, I don't think it's going to be enough of a difference, but, and this is why I say this, for a guy who had a targeting call, what, in the second quarter of the Auburn game, has to sit out the second half of that Auburn game for everything that he had to watch, being on the sideline, having to watch the rest of that game, your team not score, knowing you are the receiving leader. You are also probably one of the receiving leaders in the entire country at 1,261 yards, 13 touchdowns. You are the main guy, other than John Mechie, basically, what, Slay Bolden up there too, a couple of other guys, but mainly you, Williams. You're the guy who's getting the ball all the time. You had to sit there and watch the entire rest of the Iron Bowl. Then overtime, knowing that you wish you could be in that game because you know you could have made a difference with that team. And I agree. I think that if he's on the field, Alabama probably doesn't have quite as many issues as they do. But that's that's a huge connection for Bryce Young. And he's going to be the only guy who's truly rested, other than maybe Brian Robinson Jr., if he's healthy enough to be able to play. But – He's been sitting on the sideline the whole time, antsy, ready to get back on the field. So you better believe he is going to come ready. And I do think there's going to be at least one time in this game, one time where he is going to bust past our secondary, just on whether it's busted, covered, whatever you want to say it could be, just because of how fired up he is about this game. The question at that point is going to be, how long does Bryce Young have? And this is the next thing I want to talk about. How long is Bryce Young going to have in the pocket? Bryce Young has been sacked more than, I think, any quarterback in the entire country this year. I know in the SEC. Alabama has given up the most sacks in the SEC. That's kind of a crazy number. Alabama's O-line, suspicious as it gets. 
start of the season, I said the complete opposite. I thought they were one of the best O-lines because he had all the time in the world. Bryce Young had all the time in the world to throw the ball. And that, since teams have started to pressure that and put the pressure on it, especially watching how Auburn sent pressure, sent pressure. If you're blitzing and they ain't stopping it, keep doing it. And Alabama did not score until under a minute, touchdown at least, until under a minute left in the game, over 59 minutes before Alabama finally put a touchdown. You, you mean to tell me you don't think Kirby Smart sitting here going, okay, I see that. Dan Lanning's not sitting there licking his chops saying, oh, yeah, I know what we finna do. But you also have to understand, when you start sending those guys, that means there's room on the back end, and it's got to be covered up. Keely Ringo has to have himself a night. Lewis Seen has got to stay awake. Darian Kendrick, got to be awake. I think all of these guys are going to be awake. Latavius Brini. All these guys have got to be ready for anything, anything that comes that way, because that's the way Alabama's going to try to beat you. You may have some of these little dink and dunk plays here and there, but for the most part, they're going to be looking as hard and as far as they can to chunk that tater as far down the field as they can, because what's the best way to beat a team? Chunk plays. In Alabama, every time that they beat us, chunk plays, chunk plays. Same thing it was last year. Big play down the sideline. What was it, Demetri? At that point, it's probably still Devontae. I mean, just these bombs and when you're rocking those bombs downfield and you get deep and you get past that secondary that is going to happen to you and i think this is a guy who has the opportunity and has the rest at least to be able to get in this game and play like he has nothing else to play for so i think there is the opportunity that he does get us at least once i think that is there is a chance of that and that's again just me being realistic i'd love to say oh yeah we're gonna lock them down the whole game but if i was going to say that i'd say that this game is going to end 45 to nothing that's not my prediction little spoiler spoiler alert excuse me that's not that's not the way i anticipate this one in again i said this tweeted it earlier i'd I'd love to beat i'd love to beat alabama 69 to nothing i just don't think that's the way this is going to go go and i want to be realistic about it so that's what I'm here doing, trying to be realistic with you guys. Matchups-wise, offensively, our offensive line, their defensive line, biggest guy you got to watch out for coming on there, what linebacker position for Alabama, Will Anderson. If we can have Jamar Salyer back in this game, that will help a lot. Help a lot, not only with him, but just really uniting that line again. Von Prahn's done a good job so far. Hopefully he can continue that if, in case, you know, he has to play in this. And he wouldn't be in that position if Kirby didn't believe that he could handle it. So that's another thing to think of. Offensive line would match up very well. Stetson Bennett, what was one of the issues he had against Alabama last year? Couldn't get vertical. He ain't got a problem with it this year. I still wish he could get a little bit more flight on his balls. There's a couple of times where our guys are having to come back to it. I'm sure he's working on that pretty heavily this week. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because this is also a redemption and revenge game for him. He was part of that 2017 team. He was the reason Georgia won, in my opinion, in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma that 2017 season because they told you, if you you paid enough attention back then, he was the scout team quarterback who mimicked, uh, man, I'm blanking, who was the quarterback for Oklahoma that year? Baker Mayfield. He was the scout team quarterback who mimicked Baker Mayfield and allowed Georgia's defense to be able to play off of that. And, and Georgia's defense even gave him a lot of credit for that in 2017. So he was part of that team. He was part of all this. He's been part of these losses against Alabama. So this is not only a revenge game from last year, but redemption 
from the way things went last year as well. So I'm sure that he's ready to get in this game and do everything that he can possible to win it. And I'm excited for what he is because I think he matches up really well with it. I don't think Alabama's defense is quite as prepared as what is about to happen. The only team compare I don't know how to really compare it because we're not going to get in there and play like Tennessee. Tennessee put up plenty of points on them. But then again, I start to look at these matchups, and that was a big conversation everybody's been having. Hey, what is what is the you know let's let's talk about some of the matchups in these games, and let me get to it real quick because that that is something that I somewhat wanted to talk about, I guess, because everybody wants to talk about the comparison, and I, I, I want to talk about this too. And my biggest difference in this, the comparison in the Georgia and the Alabama games, because to me it's, it's somewhat of a conversation, but at the same time you have to understand you can't compare each game and think that each game is going to go exactly the same as the other. You just can't do that. Let me see if I can find where all these comparisons were made because I do want to run through it. Yeah, here we go. You got Alabama and Florida. Alabama wins 31 to 29. Georgia, 34 to 7. That was the same opponent. You got Georgia, or Alabama and Arkansas, excuse me. Alabama beats them by a touchdown, 42 to 35. Georgia scores 37 on them. Unanswered for Arkansas, 37 nothing. Obviously, last week, Auburn Alabama game, 24 22. Alabama squeaks it out. Georgia taking down Auburn, 34 to 10. 34 to 10. Now, granted, that's all that Auburn scored in this entire game before overtime against Alabama too, but Georgia put up 34 in that one. So, yes, there are those comparisons to be made, but at the same time, I don't think, uh, I don't think I want to put too, too much stock in that. And, and again, that's because each game is different, and this game right here is just very different from a lot of those comparisons, from a lot of them. The only one that somewhat matches up evenly is that Tennessee game. And I think once you kind of figure out what you got to do against that fast pace that Tennessee has, and really they just run a bunch of plays that are very similar to one another. I don't think they have a very deep playbook other than maybe moving one guy here or there, and that's the difference. You can pretty much pick up on that really quickly. The pace, as long as you can keep up with it, you're going to be okay against Tennessee because you pick up that scheme pretty quickly. And both Georgia and Alabama were able to score at will against them and eventually ended up stopping them. Ended up stopping them. I think Alabama scored one more touchdown than Georgia did in that one, uh, and Georgia was able to hold Tennessee to one less touchdown. So that's kind of the difference in that, which pretty much evens out. So I know the I know the comparisons of all these other games. Georgia has waxed teams that Alabama hasn't. But quite frankly, Georgia's waxed every team they played all year. And I would love for that to be the same way in this one. But I just don't want to get anybody's hopes up too much that it's going to be like that. Now, in the end, do I think that Georgia's going to win this game? Yes. I'll get to the pick again here coming up. Georgia opened, I think, at the line on this was five. It's bumped all the way up to six and a half so far. So basically a touchdown favorite over under is 49.5. It's not a bad number. It's not a bad number right there. We'll get to the prediction here in just a minute and talk about that. Defensively, let's talk about that matchup. Now we get to it. Defense against, let's just talk D-line to start, against Alabama's O-line. My goodness. I've heard everybody talk about it, and I'm going to give credit out to another guy right here, Brooks Austin. If you guys have not gone and watched the videos that he puts up on YouTube, look him up on Twitter, YouTube, doesn't matter. The videos that he does where he breaks down other teams' offenses and defenses and the things that they are able to do, mainly offense, the things that they, they do 
and compare it to what Georgia does, he said it. I've seen a lot of people say it. Georgia's D-line is about to feast on Alabama's O-line, about to just eat like it's Thanksgiving all over again because Alabama's O-line does not stand a chance against this D-line. A defense who is putting up a ton of sacks and wreaking havoc on multiple teams every every week, wreaking havoc on teams. Alabama, who is giving up a ton of sacks on the opposite side, do you think that the number one defense in the country is not going to come in here? And this front, this is also the thing. This could be another difference in that backfield. I, I think that there's, like I said, I said it before, I think Jamison Williams gets loose on one play. I think he has one big play in this game. Not that he's not targeted multiple times, but I think he has one big play because their offensive line is able to hold on just long enough for him to get two steps deeper than he needs. And that's where I think he scores. That's where I think he scores. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's going to happen at least one time. But for the rest of the night, Bryce Young is not going to have enough time. He is going to have to rely on his legs like Jalen Hurts has had to do, like Tua had to do, to be able to beat Georgia. Because that O-line or that D-line is going to be in his face all night long. All night long. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm very excited about that. Secondary, how do we match up against those wide receivers? Again, I want to put that at a fairly fair shake. I saw a video that came out earlier of, I think it was John Mechie, taking questions from the press talking about Georgia's secondary. And he gave a little bit of a smirk after saying that they're pretty good, you know that they're strong, that they're fast, and gives a smirk. And I hope, I just hope, Georgia's defense sees this video. I really do. And if you hadn't, I may try to find it and tweet it. I really don't want to just because it's up in Alabama. But I really do hope that that surfaces in a Georgia locker room between now and Saturday. And I hope that secondary sits there and watches it and just just wreathes over it and knows, okay, okay, this is what this guy's thinking, okay. You know, because that is that bulletin board material, and I do believe in that. I believe you give somebody to be, you give somebody something to have just a little extra motivation about, and I'm not talking about wearing black jerseys. That's not something I want to see. I don't necessarily care for Georgia to come out and try to black out this game, uh, mainly because I have bad experiences from that. But I don't think you need that motivation in this game. In this game, hey, let them see that video right there. That's nothing but extra. Right now, it's all about revenge. Redemption from last year, revenge from the years previous. It's time to come in here and get this thing done. Special teams, we both add up pretty good. Will Reichert's been a good kicker. Hot pod, he's been so-so this year, but I think he can pick it up when he needs to. Obviously, we got the best punter in the country, Jake Camarda, so I'm not worried about that. If Georgia really has to punt too much in this game. Discipline. Got to stay disciplined in this game. Georgia did a great job of that. Last week, I talked about this earlier on Monday. Georgia did not have a single penalty in their rivalry game at the end of the year against Georgia Tech. Not a single one. That's discipline, folks. If you can sit there and not have a single penalty thrown against the team that you're supposed to hate the most. Now, Florida, that's a different conversation. That's all there is to that. But this is going to be another thing. It comes down to discipline. You have to have that discipline. Not allow yourself to get overwhelmed in situations. Not allow yourself to get mad in situations where other teams are coaxing you on. Whatever it is. Whatever it takes uh, to... To get in your head, to get a, to get that extra edge. So, got to be disciplined. Got to be disciplined. Offensively move the ball. That's all there is to it. When it comes to the second half, we have to continue to be able to move the ball. Have to. Defensively, if there's any changes that have to be made, got to do it. But second 
half of this football game. If Georgia has the lead at halftime, we cannot lay down. It's time to finally put the foot on the pedal, score more in the third, score in the fourth quarter. I don't know if we've scored on the in the fourth quarter against Alabama at all in the last three meetings. That's, that's a stat I should go back and look. Georgia in the national championship game of 2018, technically the 2017 season, fourth quarter, Georgia did not score. Alabama scored ten times. Or excuse me, ten points, I should say. SEC championship game. Okay, that was, yeah, that was national championship game. SEC championship game of 2018. Georgia loses 35-28 to by a touchdown. Fourth quarter of that game. Georgia does not score. Alabama, in the meantime, scores twice, 14. Does not score in the fourth quarter. That's how that shakes up. Last year, losing 21-41. to Georgia did not score in the second half. Georgia, again, outscored Alabama 24 was that 24 to 20? Yeah, 24 to 20 at the half. Alabama put up two touchdowns in the third, one in the fourth. Uh, Georgia did not score again in the second half of that game. So that's it. Second half of the game, to me, could be the difference in this one. Could be. Not saying it will be, but it could be. If Georgia's only able to put up 17 points in the first half, we have got to put up more points in the second half. Got to. This not getting the job done is happening in the second half. Georgia does their job in the first half. I would be very, very surprised if Alabama was able to get a three-point lead. Okay, so be it. If they were to get a ten-point lead, you know, be up ten-nothing, something like that, maybe start to question it a little bit. But I'd be very surprised if at halftime Alabama has the lead in this game. Regardless, in the second half, Georgia has to move the ball and has to score. Has to score. I don't know how much they have to score. And that doesn't necessarily matter as long as we are moving the ball, scoring still in the third and the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. I'd love to see 14 to 17 points in the fourth quarter alone just to know, hey, we're still fighting against these guys. Again, Alabama is a very, very good second-half team. Somewhat proven in, in the Auburn game last week, but multiple games throughout this season. Look at it. The second half for Alabama, especially in years past when we've played them, matters a lot. Georgia, we've just got to move the ball in the second half. You still got to do it the first half, but second half, you got to do it even more. Even more. I'd say even more than the first half to make sure that you lock it down. Do like Michigan did against Ohio State last week. Put your foot on the pedal and do not let off. Do not let off until the game is over. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm going to hold my prediction for just a second. I'm going to hold it. That's where I think we line up. That's the breakdown of this. Georgia, about a 67% chance to win this. Alabama only a 33%. This is the first time since, what, 2011? I don't remember. It may, may, have, been, may have been sooner than that or more recent than that that Alabama has come into a game as an underdog. As an underdog. I don't know the last time Georgia, or Alabama was an underdog by almost a touchdown. Almost a touchdown. Normally they say – from what I've heard, that the way that games go, if you're the home team, you basically get a three-point advantage. So if you have a three-point, if you're, the spread's like three points and you're at home, that is simply because you're at home. If you're on the road, you're usually a three-point deficit, obviously. Neutral side, it's just neutral. It's usually fairly even. So this is on an even playing field, even though it's in Atlanta, where Georgia is, but Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. 
six and a half point favor. I want to save it. Like I said, the prediction for just a minute. I got something coming up I want to talk about. Georgia, golly, number one versus number three. We match up so well. We match up so well in this game. I've been telling people all week long. I've had a couple of people. I've got a lot of Alabama friends. I do. I've got a lot of Georgia friends. But I've been telling people all week long, this is the first time within the last three meetings that playing Alabama, I am not just nervous as a wreck about it. I'm not. I really am. Now, come Saturday, I'm sure I'll start to get a little bit antsy about it. More probably just excited for the game to get started than than anything. But this isn't a game that I'm nervous about this year. I'm not. This is a game I'm excited for. I'm looking forward to. I'm ready for it to be here. That's where the anxious side of me comes. Because this is a team that we've all bought into. We all have. It's 12-0, 8-0 in conference play this year for the first time. But Georgia... We have not had that Georgia moment that we all think is coming. Every week we sit on eggshells thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe this is the week Georgia's defense sits down and the offense doesn't. I preached this at the start of the season. Every year that Georgia has a team that can do it, it's on one side of the ball. When offensively we can move the ball really well, 2012, defensively we can't stop teams from doing it. When defensively we can stop teams from doing it like 2018, offensively we cannot move the ball. Second half, look at that. That's what we're talking about, especially that fourth quarter. This is the year where defensively, locked down as it gets, best defense Georgia has had since probably the national championship year of 20, or excuse me, 1980. I think really they date it more back to 1982 to be specific. Offensively, one of the best and most high-powered offenses Georgia's had in a long time, probably since that 2012 season. You've got weapons everywhere. You've got weapons on both sides of the field. The thing that's awesome about this Georgia football team to me, it's not an I mentality. It is truly a team-first mentality. Hey, if I can block for you to score, let's have it. I will gladly give up my opportunity to get a touchdown, to block for you to get one so we can win this game and beat this team. I've never seen more unity on a football team that Georgia that I've watched over the years as I do right now. Now, I've seen a lot of unity, a lot of unity. Defensive lines in the 2017 season. The running backs, obviously, over years. Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, even back to the Todd Gurley days. There's a lot of unity there. But this, to me, feels more team-oriented in the unity that I've ever seen, ever seen. I saw even back when Jake Fromm and the and – the, uh, Justin Fields' situation was going on where guys, when they left or when they graduated or when they went on to the NFL, you know, they chirp back. Oh, yeah, you know, I've always, I was always Justin Fields' guy, even though Jake Fromm was getting the start. That's not unity. That's the reason you didn't win a national championship. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're one of the guys who's sitting here going, yeah, I was kind of looking more forward to so-and-so or this guy to be the quarterback or this to happen, instead of just doing your all to win the football game, and to put your whole team above you, regardless of what the coach's decision is, because the coach's decision at the end of the day is the only decision that matters. You buy into that and you listen and you do what you're supposed to do, the rest of it will handle itself. As long as you're handling your business and doing what it takes for the team to win and to get where they want to be at the end of the day, at the end of the night, at the end of the year, look where you can be. You can be 12-0, number one team in the country for the past five weeks in the college football playoff poll, going to the SEC championship as a, not an underdog against Alabama, as the top dog. And at the end of it, that's what we're going to end up at. Let's talk about a couple of these other big games around the league. 
And then I want to end on the prediction. That's where I want to end on. So looking at some of these other games around the country, you do have that Pac-12 matchup, number 10, Oregon, number 17, Utah, 8 o'clock on ABC. That's actually on Friday. It's actually on Friday, so that's kind of cool. By the time you guys are listening to this, should be Thursday. Friday, that's a game you got at 8 o'clock. Oregon, Utah, to get the matchup. Oregon was the number three team in the country, hoping to stick around to be able to be in the college football playoff conversation. And Utah came in and smacked them right in the mouth. So they get this matchup again. Can Utah do it again? I don't know. That game was so lopsided. I don't know if Oregon can truly get back into this one. Utah still a three-point favorite in this one. Then we get down to the Saturday slate. Number nine, Baylor. Number number five, Oklahoma State. That's a good game. It's a good game. It's the Big 12 championship. I forgot Baylor is who they were playing. I should have remembered that. That, that. that could match up pretty roughly there for Oklahoma State. It really could. We'll see, though. We'll see. We're going to see what happens in that one. That has playoff implications. Then at 4 o'clock, ABC, 21, Houston, and 4, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, 10.5-point favorite. Don't sleep on Houston, though. Houston is 11-1. 11-1 in this one, 8-0 in the American. And then Cincinnati also, 12-0, 8-0 in the American. Cincinnati, you have the opportunity to finally punch your ticket right here. Right here. Uh, the only question at hand will be if somehow Alabama was to beat Georgia and what Oklahoma State takes care of business against Baylor. Then the question is, all right, do we put Cincinnati in or do we put Oklahoma State in? That's where it's going to suck, but that's what it comes down to. And then the only other one with the playoff implication, number two, Michigan, number 13, Iowa. Iowa well, used to be the number two team in the country, fell off the rock, but really has only lost two games. Didn't look good in a few others. That's the reason they're down in the 13 and have lost a couple games. But Iowa can beat Michigan in this one. I don't anticipate that happening, but it could. Michigan's defense is really good. That's the biggest ones. That's the biggest ones. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because, again, this is all about the SEC championship game this week. And, boy, oh, boy, am I looking forward to that. Let me tell you this, though. It is time. It's time Georgia finally puts this behind them and gets the job done. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? SEC Championship game, 4 o'clock, CBS, number one, Georgia, number three, Alabama. It's time for Georgia to get over that hump and take down the tide. I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are too. I know you guys are too. Let's get this thing done. Oh, let's get it done. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm fired up. I know you guys are too. I know you guys are too. All right, let's wrap it up before I get too fired up and start hollering and I wake everybody up in my house. Before I wake everybody up in the house. Hey, dog's going to do it. My prediction. Dog's on top, 34 to 20. 34 to 20. Again, I think Alabama's going to score a couple times in this, but guess what? Georgia's going to score more. We're going to score in the second half, score in the third quarter, score in the fourth quarter, and win this ball game 34 to 20. Take them out. Take them out. Take them out. Finally get over that hump. I'm excited for it. I know you guys are too. I will check in on you guys after Georgia wins the SEC championship game this week. Follow me on Twitter, at DogTalk20. Check in with you guys then. Go dogs.